Hi, Merch Money. Um, welcome. We have Dale Roberts today. Thank you so much for being here, Dale. What is happening, Merch Money? I'm a two-time guest. How many two-timers do you have? Not many. You're you're in the elite group. Nice. Um, of course, your wife we had to have on two times before you. <laughs> Hey, happy wife, happy life. So I'm glad you did that first because she's very competitive. And if I would have said, like, I've been on twice, she would have lost it. <laughs> I remember the last time you were on the show, we were referring to you as um, Kelly's husband. <laughs> yes, Mr. Mr. Kelly Publish. <laughs> Mr. Kelly Publish. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. get that as much anymore, but uh, that, that's okay. I, I've been called worse things and I'm very proud of my wife. So if I have to be called Mr. Kelly Publish, so be it. <laughs> well, we are happy to have you on. And uh, it was so great to see you a couple weeks ago in Columbus. It was always a good time to hang out with you and Kelly. Yeah, uh, it was a blast. Uh, you and Christina were awesome. I, I think we could have probably just closed down Condado Tacos, which yeah. they wouldn't mind whatsoever, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. So, well, guys, this is a new setup for me. So I want to apologize, first of all, for the last couple of shows that have been during the day. We uh, this is our first uh, Thursday show at uh, at noon, so this is going to be a new a new thing for us. We're going to have shows every Monday and every Thursday, but there's been a couple shows that we've thrown in there um, during the day just for various different things that popped up, and those shows my lighting was so bad. So I apologize. The reason it was so bad during the day is because I have a window in the background and the back light was just like no matter what I did it, it the lighting was terrible so on thursdays i'm going to be right in the middle of the living room where i am now um because there's no window behind me um but then monday nights i'm still going to be in that room because uh, it's too loud out here when everybody's home from work and school and everything works out um, perfect we got to get you a diva light uh you know i got one for kelly and kelly's just loved it yeah no it's fine uh, well I, I probably should have better lighting even at the night shows but it's not too bad at the night shows because there's not that light behind me that backlight behind me is just horrible youtuber so, anyway. struggles baby that's 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 what we have like we always yep. got to worry about lighting and 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 uh, audio placement things like that it's like yeah. oh gosh it's a it's, it's an ongoing struggle people people if you can do <laughs> Helen a huge favor you're watching this video whether live right now and i see some people live right now or you watch it on the replay, do her a favor and hit a thumbs up because she just like busts her tail to put these videos together. Oh, thank you so much, Dale. And guys, let me tell you a story. So <laughs> I, I've been trying to be better at looking at my analytics for videos. I'm nothing like I have not gotten into the habit as much as Dale and, you know, have a long way to go with that kind of thing. But I was like, oh, wow, we're getting close to 3,000 subscribers. Before I said anything, Dale was like, Helen, you're almost at 3,000 subscribers. I'm going to share this video everywhere. I want to make sure we go over 3,000 like before the show or on the show. So thank you so much, Dale. He's always yes. like trying to help everybody. Yeah, so I really you broke 3,000 subscribers. I'm super proud of you. That's really awesome. I mean, you have I'd say one thing that's really helped you out, you, you've stayed consistent to your brand and to your message. And it's clear because it keeps bringing in more people. So yes, I overanalyze the analytics. <laughs> it's, I, I probably know I, I consider it, you know, just right. But nonetheless, yeah, I take YouTube very, very seriously. And um, you know, I'm really proud of you. I'm glad that you hit 3,000. Oh, thank you so much. And I, I want to take it more seriously too. So I'll work on audio, visual, analytics, all that kind of stuff. Editing. Oh my gosh, editing. I... <laughs> 
<laughs> it's the bane of my existence. Well, oh yeah, just just trust me. I just took a video that was about seven and a half minutes long, and it took me probably about three hours to produce it. So yeah, <laughs> the struggle's yeah. real, folks. <laughs> yeah, I got to learn all that this year. But anyway, the work in progress. Um, I'm so excited for all the people in the chat because we finally get to have people from Europe on live shows with us. So. Nice. Thank you so much. Let me, I got to highlight. Dina always turns red when I highlight her comments. So I got to, got to turn uh, Dina red. <laughs> she, uh, wait, that wasn't the one. She was saying she was excited to be on the show. Where'd it go? As ready as I can be. I guess that was the one. Um, but She's Dina, attracted one already. Uh, I, I know. I was before. like, I thought it was a different comment about the time of the show. But thank you so much, Dina, for being here. She's my Belgian friend. That's what we always say. <laughs> I met her at the Merch UK conference and uh, she had traveled there from Belgium. So everybody else, Laura, hi, Laura. Um, Self-publishing with Dale is in the chat. Is that Kelly or is that you? Nope, that's me. Uh, <laughs> okay, good. Kelly's out with her sister and her mother right now. Her mom's in from out of town and uh, awesome. I had work to do so I couldn't go along. That means I get to stick around here. But that also means that I get to go ahead and order from DoorDash and get myself some lunch. So. Oh, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> Um, well, thank you so much for being here. Um, I even had to move Dale's show up a week and he was very accommodating. So thank you so much. Um, so we, first of all, there's so much we could talk to Dale about. I mean, YouTube is definitely a big one. Um, but we decided to focus on keyword research, optimization, uh, Kindle direct publishing, because I feel like that is something that the audience will benefit with the most. Cause I don't know how many people are doing YouTube channels in this group. So we'll, we'll stick with, um, with KDP, but if yeah. you do want him to come back on and talk about YouTube and optimizing and all that stuff, just put it in the comments. Um, and maybe we'll have him back. Cause that's, that's always what I want to talk to Dale about. So. <laughs> hey, um, I'm it, always game for sure. You guys yeah. can just wake me up out of a dead sleep, but I'd be happy to talk about that. Yeah. Just let us know if you guys want to show like that. Um, all right. So, oh, here we go. Um, is there any 2020 conference for Merch or KDP you recommend? Um, I'm not going into Merch ones. How about you, Helen? I know they're still working on it. I don't have a specific date. It's uh, supposedly going to be, I think, in Salt Lake City. Um, I think it had been thinking about March or April, but that's coming up close. So I don't know for sure if it's happening or not. Um, mm. I'm not behind that. Uh, I'm not organizing that. So I'm not... Okay sure for sh if it's definitely happening. Um, I know that Christina and I keep wanting to do meetups. Who knows if eventually we'll do an actual conference. Um, I'm in I, if you do. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. It, it may happen at some point, but so far we haven't started working on that. Um, but today Rick posted about the Merch UK conference, which last year was in January. So I was kind of thinking maybe he wasn't going to do it this year, but he posted, um, in the Merch UK group that it is happening. Um, I don't know if you put the uh, specific date, I'd have to look at that, but he posted it today. Uh, so if you live in Europe or if you live anywhere near, uh, it was in, um, oh my gosh, I can't, my brain is not working, Manchester. It was in Manchester last year. Um, I don't know if they're gonna do it in London this year or not, but I did message Rick and I said, oh, you should come on the show and talk about it. So he's gonna come on the show, uh, in a few weeks and, and talk about that conference. So that's coming up in the spring. Uh, in terms of other merch conferences, I'm not sure. KDP conferences, you just put a, a post about 
publishing conferences, but I don't know if that's yeah. really for. Um, yeah, you, you could uh, pretty much any, uh, there's not going to, Amazon won't put anything together as far as an exact conference. They'll sponsor some events and such. Um, but to kind of save ourselves the trouble, Lawrence, what you would want to do is go over, find me on Twitter at, uh, at self pub with Dale. And actually I had shared somewhere in my, I'm sorry, I do a lot of tweets, <laughs> but I had shared like a post from story ad and story ad put together the 10, best conferences for 2020. Um, I'm going to say right now, I might end up going to one in Chicago that's hosted by Brian Cohen. And I'm forgetting the name of the conference. It might be like self-publishing books conference, something like that. Because he used to call it the Sell More Books Show podcast conference. And he sold that to somebody in Tennessee. Now he's doing this one. So that's probably the one that's a possibility. I tend to gravitate towards the video creator conferences because... Uh, my mindset has always been I'm very much inside this space of self-publishing and I could be very comfortable going to these conferences. I like to step outside my comfort zone and go to different conferences like, mm -hmm. like you remember the year before last, Merch by Amazon over in Seattle. Yeah. Uh, Kelly and I went to that. That was a bit outside my wheelhouse. I like mm -hmm. to go into areas that like I don't know much about yeah. so that way I can learn and also network with other people. Yep. That's so important. Um, I like to go to the reseller conferences. Um, I guess that's not completely outside my comfort zone because that's actually what I started with. Um, okay. But it is nice to kind of, you know, learn from all different groups. So, all right. So, KDP, um, how long have, tell us a little bit about your background. I know you've already been on the show and most of us already know you, but just a little recap of like, how did you get into self-publishing? It's, it's a really long story, but I'm going to make it super short. Yeah. Started writing my very first book in 2013, and I launched it in March of 2014. My first $23 paycheck made me think, you know what? If I can focus on this in full time, I can probably make some crazy money. And I went ahead, put my 30-day notice in with my job and said, deuces, I'm out of here. Struggled for about nearly two years before we saw our very big first breakthrough and the rest is history. It's just, it's like a snowball that keeps, you know, getting more and more and more momentum. So that's really what got me into Kindle Direct Publishing and self-publishing as a whole. I tend to focus a lot on Kindle Direct Publishing because obviously it's the gigantic gorilla in the room. You know, you, you can't just ignore it. It's, yeah. it's the thing that's bringing in the most revenue, especially publication profits. And um, so a lot of people come and ask me a lot of questions. Believe it or not, I do know more outside the KDP platform, <laughs> but this is my wheelhouse. Like you can, oh, you can definitely come that. to me. And if I don't have an answer for you, I typically can find out some because I do have a few people within the business that have been around a little longer than me, or I've have a few contacts inside the business that I'm able to reach out to and get some answers. Great. Sheila is saying that she met you at the uh, Merch UK conference. I mean, sorry, Merch conference in Seattle. I wish I was over in the UK one. I know you went there, right? <laughs> I went there. It was a lot of fun. I really had a good time. Um, I'm new to low content KDP. Once a quality interior is created, how do we advise scaling it? Try different titles and keywords for the same product, different covers. Thanks. Thank you, Lawrence, for that question. Um, Okay, so uh, you want me to get this one here? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so what I would recommend, Lawrence, is um, do some type of differentiation between products. I find way too often people are trying to do 
derivatives of one single iteration. And they're pumping out, say, a thousand low content, no content books per week. They're going at that max and they're just loading it up, but they're not profiting anything from it. Uh, what I would recommend to those of you that aren't profiting very well when it comes to this, scale back and take your time in putting up good quality interiors, good quality cover designs, research the keywords, as well as the market. Remember that at the end of the day, it's not about trying to shove 10 pounds of horse manure in a five pound bag, all right? <laughs> we wanna kind of figure out who's our customer and mm -hmm. how do we have their solution? And so if we try to sit here and do 20,000 things, it's going to overwhelm people. I see a lot of these publishers that have all these listings and they're essentially the same interior, they're the same cover, but they change the color a little bit or they mm -hmm. change the color of the font a little bit and, and they have 5,000 things and they're like selling like one item here or there. Yeah. It's the wrong way to go about it. It's better yeah. that you take your time identify a product that you are really good at, that you start to get a good pulse on yeah. and then start to scale it. And when I say scale it, that doesn't mean doing derivatives. That means to build off of it, build a bigger brand around that specific low content to no content book. Uh, I just, this is something like, look out, you ever get Kelly started on it? She goes <laughs> on a full on rant. Okay. Like she just like, she gets like really heated. To me, I, I get it. There's sometimes... People are in a, in a position of desperation. And so in that desperation, they will do anything to make it work. They'll do anything to get that five figures per month, that six figures per month. Because I saw Kelly doing it, or I saw so-and-so doing it in this group. It's, it's all right. Take your time. You're going to travel your own path. Trust me. Yeah. For the first year and a half to two years, like, I tried to do what other people were doing. And guess what? I failed miserably at it. And it was when I finally decided, okay, to take a step back and figure out who I am and what's the product I wanted to deliver and the audience that I want to reach that I finally got that breakthrough. So take your time, scale it slowly but surely. I love it. I was, while you were saying all that, I was like, it's a Mr. Kelly published rant because <laughs> Kelly <laughs> publishes these rants. Um, but anyway, everything you said is such good advice. And I think that's the perfect intro to the video because we can break all that down into detail. And that's pretty much exactly what we wanted to talk about today. So thank you, Lawrence, for that segue into our topic today. Um, so there was so much you said. So I want to break that down. Um, one thing that I really like that you said is find out who you are. Um, talk a little bit more about that. Like, what does that mean? How do you do that? And, and what does that have to do with uh, making low content books? It's, it's going to come down to, I, I realize this is a business and sometimes people look at it as, you know, cold, hard numbers. What's going to drive the revenue? What's going to bring home the cheddar and pay those pesky things that come in the mail called bills. But let's face the facts. What I know, what my knowledge is and my skill set and my talent is way different than say what Helen's knowledge is, skill set and her talents. And so she's able to craft something completely unique to her that I won't ever be able to duplicate. I can try, but you know, many imitators, but usually only one innovator. And that's why I say like, that's where you got to kind of discover your voice and getting it going. So let me give a, a personal uh, story here. So I, this was early on before this whole no content book explosion, 
when um, I was probably one of the very few people doing it and the cat wasn't quite let out the bag. So there was way less competition. And Kelly saw me doing really well with it. And she's like, hmm, <laughs> if it's working really well with you, let me go ahead and try out what you're doing. And she had literally taken an interior that I had made and was like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and use this. Um, and the next thing was she copied my exact book description from a book that I was doing and pasted it over there. And I didn't discover this until like, I would say a few weeks after it had been online. And I'm like, did you plagiarize my, my stinking book description? Like, and she's like, yeah, what, what? I thought that was cool. I'm like, no, it's not cool. I'm like, you got to do something different. I'm like, there's no wonder you're not making any sales. I was like, you're trying to do my same exact listing. Funny thing is, you know, she got really mad at me, by the way. It was like almost like a, how dare you tell me I'm doing something wrong, you know, that type of thing. And so she, uh, she went ahead. She corrected the listing. She made it her own. Boom. It shot up. In fact, it did even better than any of my listings. I looked at that darn book description. And I'm like, how the heck are you doing that? Did you plagiarize her then next? Uh, you know, it crossed my mind, but I was like, okay, I don't want to change my listing because it was already getting some good sales. So I was like, ah, but I did go back through and I looked at the structure and the simplicity that she did with her listing and tried to, you know, model it. And it worked for some listings and other listings that didn't do that. So this kind of just goes to show like how much you can bring to the table. Let yeah. me go ahead and just flip the script here uh, for just a second, because I ended up seeing her crushing it with guest books like one year. That was like her first year. Like, and I would say like in that month, she went from just like making hundreds of dollars to, um, per month to thousands of dollars per month. And it was like yeah. these guest books were like just, just crushing it. And I'm like, I'm going to go ahead and make some guest books. <laughs> it flopped. It's yeah. straight up flopped. And I, I just, for some reason, she's able to understand the market better. She's able to understand what it is that they're looking for, the keywords that they're using to search for her product, and the interiors that they expect from her. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you, I learned that one real, real quick where I was like, tried to do the guest book thing and failed miserably. So I just went back to the things that were doing really good for me. I doubled down on that content income shot up. So that's right. just the thing. So I, I wanted to kind of share both things so that everybody doesn't think that I'm self-righteous, like I'm so much better than Kelly. Oh, I made my mistakes for sure. <laughs> no, you guys are both awesome. And, and I always learn from you. So thank you both for being on the show twice um, so far. And don't worry, I will definitely ask you guys again in the future. So <laughs> um, all right. So being your, yourself, that's, that's a big one. Also that helps with finding the right niches to be in too, right? Like, correct. Yeah. And I think this is a perfect segue to where we can, you know, cause I said, Hey, let's talk about keyword research and yeah, optimization. Yeah. And so understanding the market and being part of that market really yeah. helps you understand and put yourself in the mindset of that customer and how they're going to be searching for your particular item. As I tell people, keywords are the bridge that is built between your product and your customer. And mm -hmm. if you build just the right keywords right there, it's going to bring a lot of traffic over that way. If it's not so good, you know, there's gonna be some people that'll look at you weird, like you got two heads or something like that. 
Um, it's, it's really what it comes down to is that's why I try to tell people is go with your skill set, go with your knowledge, what you understand in the market currently, because it makes it easier on yourself and you're able to produce mm -hmm. higher quality content versus trying to guess your way into things. Like I won't ever put out a book about unicorns. Like this, not my thing. Like yeah. I don't understand it. Like, I don't know what, why it's a big trend or mm -hmm. anything else. So I'm not going to bother with that. But if you were to come to me and say, okay, could you put together something for guitars? I'd be like, done. All right. I can do some sheet music. I can be able to put some bar chord, like instructions inside here, things like that. Like that's what I can sink my teeth into. And I yeah. understand as a guitarist, what I would look for if I was looking for these particular types of books. Yeah. I think it's, uh, there's certain jargon and like, words that people say in every like think about in print on demand we say pod kdp like we do all these little acronyms yeah. and when someone's new they're like what are they talking about like there's just so many like things we just take for granted it's like that in every niche where there's just words that people say or you know abbreviations stuff like that and um if you don't know that stuff it makes it harder those are the things people are typing in and searching for um and then also it's just, you're more passionate about it because you understand it and you're able to think of something to make it a little different. So I think when people are trying to think what niches to go into, like I've always heard people say things like, well, what would you give a Ted talk on if you had to give a Ted talk? Or what would you, like if you go to a party and you like find someone to talk to, what are you guys talking about? Like what's something that you could talk about for hours? Um, so those are the kind of things to be like, okay, well, once you think of, things that you could talk about for hours, um, you know, thinking of how you could turn that into a low content book. Is that kind of what you think or what it was? Your thought? Yeah, yeah. You, you're, we are right on the same brainwave and in thinking about it. And um, just so I, I can be very clear and, you know, it's always funny. I always hear Kelly just like, you, you aren't going to find like the definition of of no content books or low content books inside the dictionary or anything else. Yeah. <laughs> so something I always try to express to people to kind of differentiate between two things here is no content books are, is going to be literally blank, nothing in it, typically lines, most of it, the customer is going to fill out for low content books. There's going to be a bit more substance. This could be like a planner of some sort. It could be even a workbook. Workbooks are fantastic. I had mm -hmm. a good friend of mine. He was in the self-help niche and he wrote this very short read for Kindle and was like, I can't turn this into a book. There's not enough pages because you need 24 pages or more to turn it into a print book. And I'm like, I read through it. I'm like, dude, this is like a perfect workbook. Why don't you turn this in? And he's like, oh my gosh, hence <laughs> the low content. It yeah. wasn't a lot of content. It wasn't going to make for a good book because it was too little of information. But what he did was he filled this out to where it kind of marries the, the, the nonfiction realm with the no content realm and you got this beautiful marriage. So that's why I always just try to differentiate. I hear a lot of people calling low content books, diaries and journals and things like that. I try to say no content, that's that low content. It was when there is some substance in there. Yeah. So, and both work. So you got, you could do both and you could do yeah. both for whatever niche you're in. So you could do a workbook, you could do a, you know, more of a no content book where it's just like maybe a couple little uh, images in the corners or something that re relate to your niche. Um, so you could do both and there's a lot of different directions you could go. You could do even like a, a journal. Um, 
because in every niche they they care about different things so different kinds of trackers or different kinds of you know there's a lot of directions you could go um so once you kind of figure out a niche what's your next step for figuring out what keywords to use so what I will typically do is I try to brain dump. I take an entire session, you know, be it five minutes, 10 minutes, or even a half hour. And I just try to devote it to just writing down or typing out as many ideas and search queries that I can think of regarding this particular niche. And I'm just going to just make this exhaustive because one of the worst things you can do is try to open up your browser and then start looking. Because then yeah. you're going to start to forget, oh, did I, did I look up that keyword? <laughs> uh, did I try that one already? Yeah. Get a list, put it out. So that way you have it almost like an assembly line. So brain dump everything first, get it all laid out. Try to be very specific about the niche that you're going after. So you shouldn't be putting together a list for let's say workout planners at the same time that you would be putting together a recipe book. Okay. Right. So we want to make sure that we're, when we're focused on our brain dump, the brain dump is exclusive to a specific niche. Load that up though. The very next thing, and this is something I see a lot of people getting so wrong. When you do your searches, make sure you go into incognito mode. Now this is super mm -hmm. simple. So mm -hmm. if you use Chrome, all you got to do is press control shift and the letter N for new. It'll open up incognito mode and then go over into the Amazon bookstore. So you're going to open up the Amazon bookstore and into the actual search bar. You're going to start to type and take it slow. Don't rush through it because you're going to see some awesome possibilities. So let's just say, for instance, I'm working on workout planners. I start to type in work. And you're going to start to see that auto suggest start to populate down below it. What I would recommend is take a screenshot pop, and save it off into a separate folder. And you're going to just keep doing this as you continue to type out your specific keyword phrase or what I'll call a root keyword. We're going to see all of these different derivations of your specific root keyword. We want to kind of take note of those things. And we're going to have all these screenshots in a folder. Now we're going to go back, create a list of all those specific keywords, and we're going to double back around and type in each one of those phrases and pull up that search volume. Now, there is two things I like to be aware of. One is how well are these books selling with this particular keyword? And the mm -hmm. other one is how much search actual products are being brought up in the search. So make things easier. By the way, here's a big bonus here. And I don't think Helen doesn't have any like affiliation. I don't have affiliation with them. DS Amazon quick view. It is a yeah. Chrome browser extension, 100% free. They have an upgrade. I've never paid for it. I just get the free one. Mm -hmm. We're going to enable that for incognito mode. And you can just do a simple Google search. I've got some videos about it, but you're going to just get it towards enabled for incognito mode because when we go ahead and type into that browser, we go ahead, search it up. It's going to bring it on up. And the nice thing that DS Amazon Quick View does is it shows us right on the search page of each product what the Amazon BSR is or the Amazon bestseller rank. And I want to kind of keep an eye on that. Top left-hand corner, you will see after you've hit the search how many products are related to that specific keyword phrase. Generally speaking, I like to see products below 10,000 products. My ideal like happy place would be a thousand products underneath that. 
That means yeah. there's not too much, you know, products there. So that means that I'm going to be the big fish in a small pond. And yeah. that could be a good thing. But, but, this is a big but, is it could turn into a mud puddle if you actually just go ahead and scroll down and look at the ranks that are being placed on first page placement. I like to see the products at the ABSR, again, the Amazon bestseller rank. I'm just going to go ahead and say ABSR from now on. I like to see the ABSR of those products averaging below 100,000. Because when I see that it's being averaged below 100,000, it's proof of concept. That means people are searching for it and they're also buying the products. Now, there are exceptions to the rule. I mm -hmm. sometimes will look at something and I'll say, okay, I'll go ahead and take a gamble on this one. Because maybe, you know, maybe these books are just horrendous. Maybe I've got something that's going to kill it. But I will start to narrow down that list to exact phrases. All right, you ready to get your mind blown? Yes, and guys, right. you should be taking notes, definitely. This is a lot of information. I always love it. And by the way, how's it going, Mike Hurd? I see you over there. I see you. Darren <laughs> uh, Madison, good to see you. Hey, uh, Darren Wiggins, by the way, said that I should put out a beard maintenance log. Um, I'll, I'll work on that, buddy. Uh, Darren's awesome. He he's so good with KDP and and Darren is is yeah. smarter than he knows. And I keep trying to talk that guy into this business of YouTube videos, and he's like, he's not having none of it. So uh, in the meantime, okay, each their own. Out. It's just, I just feel honored every time he's like in one of my groups or anytime he's saying anything because I'm just like, oh my gosh, he knows so much. And <laughs> thank you for being here. Okay, so we've narrowed this list down. We want to focus on exact phrases. Now, I'm not going to speak on behalf of anybody else that dispenses advice when it comes to stuffing as much keywords into everything as possible. Uh, I'm going to tell you this, okay? I'm just going to go ahead. We're going to take a little bit of like a rabbit, rabbit trail here. We're going to come back to the main trail in just a second. Google, possibly the world's most used search engine in the world. Okay, is very sophisticated and continues to become sophisticated by the day. Amazon's kind of like Google was like say 10 years ago. And the Amazon algorithm, also known as A9, is catching up to things. It's trying to figure out how to best serve the customers because that's what Google does. They serve their customers and they try to tweak these things. Now Google, over the past few years, started to put into place some things that will throttle specific websites that are trying to force keywords into their website mm -hmm. to bring in more search volume. They like, no, we see what you're doing. And so now we're just going to start suppressing your listings. Mm -hmm. So that's something they were doing. Amazon is seeing those patterns and they're starting to tweak and change those things. So those of you out there, that are keyword stuffing your title and your subtitle and your series name and your author name and your description and your seven keyword slots, your days are numbered. And you can mark my word because anytime I've made a prediction, it comes true. And so this is going to be one of those ones. So, so I'm going to say, if you're going to choose keywords, see, I, we went from the rabbit trail right yeah, back yeah. Out there. If you're going to choose keywords, choose them tastefully. Yeah. And I would recommend that if you're going to use a good keyword, title and subtitle placement is optimal. Now, will it make or break the success of your book? Not really, because there's other areas that we can take advantage of it. You're going to do an author name, stick with author names. 
okay? Because right now there's a lot of pushback on KDP on people that are trying to put keywords in there. And you're gonna, someone's going to go, oh, I had one pass through not too long ago. Yeah, every now and then you get hit an Amazon rep that just is, is right in the id gaff mode and you know what that stands for. <laughs> I don't give a freak. <laughs> so they're just clicking through and pushing, pushing the stuff through. But in most instances, Amazon reps are now starting to push back on people that are trying to keyword stuff their author name. So use something tasteful. If you're going to use an author name, a brand name of some sort, make sure that you keep it within that niche. Okay, Keep everything in there. Now, the next best place to put your keywords is going to be those seven keyword slots inside your dashboard. Inside those seven keyword slots, we're allowed up to 50 characters per slot. And even Amazon says on their actual website, if you actually just search up, make your books more discoverable with keywords, Amazon KDP, it'll pull up their entire article. It'll tell you exactly what they're looking for. Okay. They say, try to utilize as much of the spot as possible. Um, but you want to make sure it's, and this is not them. I'm going to tell you, make sure it's sensible. It makes sense. You don't want to be cramming in a bunch of words and just guessing your way through it. You want to make sure that you're putting in sensible keywords that make sense to your product, that's relevant to your product, of course, and that, you know, if you were, for instance, trying to look something up, it would simply pull it up. A lot of people have been doing this keyword stuffing where they cram a bunch of things into their slot and it just, it's, it's not working as much or as effectively anymore. Yeah. So let's stop there for just one second. Cause I just want to make sure everybody's understanding this. So it's, it's not just necessarily that you may or may not get in trouble for it. I mean, there's plenty of people that can keyword stuff and their listing's fine. It stays up. The reason not to, that one of the reasons not to is because you never want someone to type in a word, your listing comes up and then they don't buy it. That's like the worst thing that can happen. You never ever yeah. want that to happen. So if you pick words that it's unlikely someone is going to buy your product from that word, you should leave it out because it's only gonna hurt your listing if you're putting a word in there, it's popping up and someone's not buying it. Every single time that happens, Amazon's yep. like, wow, this must be a horrible book. And they push it further and further and further away. So you wanna make sure your words, it's very, very likely that if your book comes up and someone typed in that word, they're going to buy your book. Yes. And, and this is, you, you bring up a very good point. I'm glad you interrupted me. I, I tend to, to bloviate, so you can interrupt me any point. <laughs> um, the key word here for keywords is relevancy. <laughs> yes. Relevancy. And this has a lot to do with not just like you thinking it's relevant. We can think that something's relevant till the cows come home, but yeah. The Amazon search engine is, is going to determine what is relevant. How is relevancy determined? Okay, relevancy is determined this way. Impressions. They're going to serve up your product to the customers. That is what's called an impression. If they click on that product listing, that's going to increase your relevancy. If for some reason, like what Helen was saying, someone just goes right by it, guess what? There goes your relevancy. You just lost a little bit of your relevancy. So if somebody clicks on it, it increases your relevancy. But you know the thing that actually increases relevancy the most? Buying Sales. It. Yes. Guys. <laughs> yeah. Get you a banana sticker for sure. And, you know, that's the thing. And there's other uh, other things involved when it comes to relevancy, including, you know, um, anybody sharing the content, any reviews that are put on it, any uh, anytime someone comments on a review, any kind of engagement like helpful on it. 
Uh, so many other metrics are involved with relevancy, but at the core of relevancy on the Amazon algorithm is going to be, are they clicking? Are they buying? Because mm -hmm. if they're buying, we're going to keep on serving this to that person over and over and over and over again. So mm -hmm. that's, that's the name of the game is, is trying to build that relevancy. Yes. So the seven keyword slots, we're coming back around to this right now. Yeah. I've seen so many times that there's this methodology of just cramming as much stuff. I'm going to just say this right away. I actually have a video firing off on my channel that I had a guest expert talk about this. I'll give you guys some spoilers here on this one. Don't put any commas. I don't know. This is something that was carried over from the create space days or back when KDP, you used to put commas in there. Commas are useless. It's a waste of character spot. Don't put it in there. Um, the next thing is exact phrases when you can. Dave Chesson, the Kindlepreneur, he's the creator of Publisher Rocket, um, had put together a fantastic article where they did a case study. And in it, what they did was they created a good root exact phrase keyword. And then they built off of it in a way, uh, it's something that's called keyword stemming in which you actually have your root keyword you build off it. So let's say my keyword I always use this because it's so it's simple for me to say, workout plan. And let's say that someone can look up home workout. So we just attach home workout to the workout plan. Okay. And let's say that there's somebody looks up, says workout for women. We would then stem the entire thing together to home workout plan for women. Because what ends up happening is A9 says, goes and looks inside this one keyword slot and sees this and is able to pick and choose each one of those options. However, someone searches it up. Um, that is one of the ways to do it, is doing a keyword stemming. And Dave even goes in detail of suggesting that you do about four to five of those slots keyword stemming it. But then- I love that. I didn't even ever know that word, keyword stemming. Yep. Guys, keyword make sure stemming. you follow Dale. He's, uh, I put the link in the description. Follow Dale. He has so much information like this about self-publishing. So anyway, keep going. So uh, keyword stemming. I've so, never heard that term. Yeah, yep. Yeah, actually, I learned this one from Brian G. Johnson. And this was actually early on in his YouTube career where he was sharing about keyword stemming. And I was like, that's what that's called? I'm yeah, like, I never knew hey. um, So at any rate, um, inside that article, though, Dave ends up sharing that, you know, do three to four slots where you're, you're doing more of a broad match. Mm -hmm. And then do two to three of those slots, exact phrase. So you're going to have to be bold. You're going to have to say, this is what my content's about. There's one thing I would recommend you don't do is don't repeat your title or your subtitle. So if you already got the keyword in your title and subtitle, you're being redundant if you're using it inside the seven keyword slots. There's no need to do it. Now, the other most valuable part to put it in, and I hear a lot of people spouting off a bunch of weird theories and things like that saying, you know, well, keywords aren't indexed when it's put into a description. Horse baloney, okay? So unless somebody comes over from the A9 headquarters and straightens me out on this one, your product is indexed on Amazon's algorithm, okay? It, whether you can find your stuff on there or not remains to be seen. And as a very minimum, hear me out on this one before you start clicking away and hitting the thumbs down here on Helen's. This is gonna really help you out, okay? Hear me out. Let's just pretend that, okay? I'm wrong. We'll say that, they're not indexing the book description, okay? There's none of the keywords gonna be detected there. Let's just say that. But let's also pretend that you've placed those keywords 
organically within your book description. In other words, naturally, it shouldn't be stilted and shouldn't we read all weird. But if you've organically put it in there, imagine if a customer searches up your product, they see you cover and they go, oh, they click on it. They read your description and they see that keyword that they were just searching up and it validates their search. Too many times people are trying to become more discoverable and they're forgetting that the end user needs validation. They need to feel like, oh, that's what I was looking for. Done deal. I'm going to go ahead and buy this. So that's another reason why you're going to use keywords. It's not me, just to become more discoverable. It's to validate the customer experience. Let me say one more thing about that. So let's just say, like I like how you phrase it. Like, let's just say that people are right, that it's not indexed. How do we know it's not going to be indexed tomorrow? Like how often do algorithms change? I'm sure everyone has been around long enough to see a Google algorithm change and an Amazon algorithm change. So it's good to have keywords in all the spots because you never know when it's going to change and it's going to have a more weight or less weight. So, um, so true. Yeah. So don't leave it blank or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I see so many missed opportunities and some people that will just phone it in on their book description, which I'll tell you this right now. Um, don't phone it on your book description. This is your opportunity to sell yeah. the customer. Um, you need to give them a compelling reason to buy this. I mean, why can't someone just go over to Walmart and pick up your stinking no content book for like $3? You have to take that opportunity to tell them what they stand to gain. Not just that it'll be delivered to their doorstep, but they need to understand like, this is the bee's knees. You aren't going to find this at Walmart or Target, all right? This is why you should be getting my no content book and X, Y, and Z. And then someone's like, oh yeah. And then they have all these keywords that validate that search and there you go. So hopefully that helped out. I, I love talking about keywords. It's one of my favorite things. And if there was ever anything I would recommend, if you get another guest on the show, get Dave Chesson. He will send your eyebrows. He makes me look like kindergarten to his college. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love how you talk. You're so expressive. Yang was talking about it the other day. He's like, he's like, Dale, like he went into this whole thing about Dale and how expressive he is. <laughs> yeah. So you're I, awesome. Um, it's so like funny, actually, someone said a long time ago to me, uh, it was actually Nick Neman. Uh, let me drop that name there, big yeah. YouTuber. Uh, Nick is just, every time he describes me, he's just like, he's not just like that on camera. He's like yeah. that in real life. You know yeah. that, right? Yep. <laughs> and you are. You're. I love it. It's just passionate about life. I like Mike's comment here. Just in case anyone is any doubt, listen to Dale. He's a genius, a walking encyclopedia of facts. Look at that. Mike, uh, I'm going to be sending the uh, the paycheck in the mail. Might take a little while to get over to the UK, but um, want to say what's up to uh, Mickey. How you doing? Oh, is Mike in the UK? I didn't realize that. Yeah. No wonder I haven't seen Mike in the live chat. I, he always comments later, which I really appreciate, Mike. Now I know. I am so happy we're doing this uh, noon show so we can finally be able to talk live with everyone in the in Europe. Um, Sharon just asked a question. May I, may I address yeah, yeah. it? Uh, she said keyword stemming versus keyword stuffing. Oh, uh, great okay. stuff. Uh, so keyword stemming is going to be a bit more tasteful. When you are able to put it together, it makes something logical and sensible. So for instance, I said home workout plan for women. That makes sense. Whereas if I were to say home workout plan for women, uh, rubber bands, um, exercise, that's just, it's weird. It's real stilted. Can yeah. A9 make sense of that? Then great. Uh, but otherwise, that's kind of like a keyword stuffing is when you're just trying to throw as many broad keyword matches as possible into a spot in hopes that you'll get discovered. The problem is A9 becomes more sophisticated. 
and it becomes a little more stupid <laughs> because it's like, what are you talking about? Like, it's almost <laughs> no like- No one's ever typed that in. <laughs> yeah, and it's and I'm sorry, I don't mean to make light of this particular situation or anything else like that, but it sounds like you had a stroke when you read your keywords. You probably shouldn't be using it. Um, so uh, yeah, this just, I would just recommend that if you can read the keyword and it makes sense, then you've definitely sensibly put it together. If it you put it together and it's just like green, apples, sky, couch, Helen, uh, video, like you're like, what? What's going on here? A9 is going to go, I'm what's no, I, and then there's not going to serve you to anybody. <laughs> uh, you got a lot of fans in the chat. It's almost like you've talked about self publishing before or something. Couple times. <laughs> Couple times. Good to see you there, Christopher. <laughs> Tara's saying hi, Tara. What's um, happening, Tara? Yeah, this seems like a good time for everybody. I'm so excited. Really happy to be able to talk to everyone uh, that we don't normally get to see because it's uh, normally one or two in the morning in, in Europe. So, um, all right. So, so much good stuff. Oh my gosh. All right. So you talked about keywords, talked about keyword stemming. What about, um, and we talked a little bit about the description, but let's talk a little bit more about that. Like what is the format that you would want to put keywords in the description? Is it, it's much more just complete sentences, right? You don't want to put any like fragmented sentences or anything. Um, some fragments will, will make sense if it, if it aids in the ad copy. Um, you'll often hear me call a book description ad copy because that's where you're trying to sell somebody. Um, okay. there is one really good book and I say this one all the time and Brian Meeks, you owe me, buddy. You owe me. <laughs> the gentleman's name is Brian Meeks and his book is called a mastering, uh, mastering Amazon descriptions. Get it. It's fantastic. It focuses a lot on fiction and a couple of nonfiction books. And some of you that are probably watching it for low content, no content, trust me, ad copies, ad copy, and understanding the fundamentals and how you sell somebody is all the same all the way across. Just understanding how you want to hook the person that's looking at it and get it to where they read to the very bottom of your ad copy, which you finish out with buy it now. Always tell people buy it now. So start with hook. And I'm going to recommend that if you put together a book description, if it's a sentence at the very top that's two lines long, it's too long. It's way too long. Short sentences. The very first thing I tell people when it comes to a hook, it should be like five to six words. Okay. Um, you know, just keep it simple. What is this thing? All right. What's going to grab someone's attention? And Make sure that you really get that. So let's say, for instance, I have a workout planner I'm putting out. It could be the best workout planner for 2020. Okay, that's probably not the best hook in the world, but you get what I mean. That was nice, short, succinct. It told people what to expect. Mm -hmm. uh, or could I could have just said the workout planner that you'll never need to replace. Uh, that probably is too many words, but you get what I mean. And then yeah. what I want to do is get it to where people click the read more option. It drops down and tells people everything. Now, since no content, low content books um, are considered essentially nonfiction, okay? One thing I tell nonfiction publishers is utilize bullet points. Okay? Okay. Get those bullet points in there. Now, if you're not familiar how to, to format your stuff, I recommend that you would use an HTML book description generator. There's one over on kindlepreneur.com. Just search up HTML book description generator. I've got one myself on my website. Format your book description so it grabs 
the customer's eye and really gets it to where it commands their attention. And you can also create bullet points without having to copying and pasting a bunch of stuff from your MS Word document and you junk it all up and, and everything just yeah. messed up. Formatting was gonna be one of my next questions because that's so important. And guys, his website is in the description. So you could click right on the website and go to that formatter thing that you were just talking about. Yes, uh, you can go to selfpublishingwithdale.com slash HTML. Okay, yeah, so HTML. Um, do you also do like uh, bold or like other formatting? Yes. Okay. So you can do um, different uh, bold. You can italicize. You can make it heading one, heading two. You can do regular body. Um, I think quotes you can do, bullet points I said already. Um, there's just so many things you can kind of tweak. I know that my, my boy, um, Keith Wheeler Books, another fantastic one, he actually knows how to color, um, make it colored and oh. also insert in things like emojis and things like that. So he's like next level nerd <laughs> when it comes to HTML stuff. I don't bother with it. I think just having at least the basics of making the font bigger, smaller, bolding or italicizing as well as bullet points. That's all I ever need. Um, okay. My first line, typically I go heading one or heading two and I bold it. So that way it's just like, boom, it's just like slap someone straight in the face. They're like, oh, oh, this clearly is something I need to look at. Think of it like this. Um, uh, let's see here. Gosh, I don't have any magazines. Go figure. When you go and you're inside the line at the grocery store and you got a magazine sitting there, what's, what, what's one thing you do? You just kind of scan it for headlines, right? Think of that as your headline. What's the thing that's going to make you pull the People Magazine off the rack or the National Enquirer? You know, you're going to pull that off there. Like, oh, Bat Boy is, is on the loose. I better read more. <laughs> so you need to kind of think the same way of your book description and having that very first line, your hook, command attention, not just with what you say, but how it appears. Very, very good advice. Um, guys, what do you think so far? Are you like out of breath? This was like so much information with no fluff. <laughs> I try um, not to put the fluff in there. Yeah, <laughs> I do like, talk a lot. Boom, do this. Uh, do you guys have any questions? Put your questions. We, um, I can't believe how fast this went. Do you realize it's already 12.50? We only have 10 minutes left. Yeah, 12, That 12, was 50. so fast. Um, so guys, we have a couple more minutes if anybody has questions. Um, thank you so much. What else, what are the main things before we go? Like what have we not gotten to yet with keyword um, research and optimization? Um, you know, I, I, I taught everybody the old school methodology of, of searching it through incognito mode. If you're at a point in your business that you can afford. Uh oh, did you freeze for a second? Guys, are you hearing Dale? Am I back? You're back. Okay. Okay, good. <laughs> um, I, I would recommend uh, if you're if you're at a point in your business where you're making at least, let's say, a thousand dollars or more per month, I recommend that you go ahead and um, invest into a program called Publisher Rocket. And that's I've already mentioned Dave Chesson before. Makes life so 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 much easier. Um, I honestly very rarely ever mess around with incognito mode anymore because I just go ahead and look it up on Publisher Rocket. Um, I'll get to get you in, in touch with Dave Chesson because you're going to love that product if you have not used it before. Perfect. Thank you so much. Yeah, I've heard so many good things about that. And I know you've told us before. So I'll, um, I'll add a link at some point to this description um, so you guys can find that easily. Um, so yeah, this has just blown me away. All right, so Publisher Rocket, is there anything else that you recommend as tools that would help with self-publishing? 
That's really about it. I would always recommend too that you form a small peer review group um, in which you all sit down. Uh, if you're finding yourself at a sticking point, you know, reach out and be like, hey, Helen, uh, I've got these keywords. For some reason, yeah. it's not performing really well. What do you think I need to change? Sometimes having a fresh set of eyes to look at your keywords and your metadata will help you kind of tweak a few things that'll get you better success. Um, I know that uh, Darren and Kelly are, you know, pals when it comes to that. So we, the aforementioned Darren that's inside yeah. the chat and such, they typically will spitball ideas off each other. You know, do the same thing, but telling you to reach out to Darren and beat him up or, or Helen or myself, uh, reach out to somebody else who's inside this community. And yes. it's a less lonely journey when you're doing it with more people involved. So if you want to be more successful, work with other people. Oh my gosh. So that whole little thing. So from 1250 to 1252, I'm going to have everybody in the mastermind group watch that because we, I was talking about that this morning, right before going on here, I was talking about accountability partners and just finding people to help, to help you basically to talk to. I mean, the difference between like trying to work on my own versus working with Christina, working with people like you, the whole entire merge money community, it's like night and day. I mean, when you have somebody that you can just call on the phone or message, or just shoot a question it, it oh my gosh you cannot underestimate it so by the way i'm missing christina today like wh where are you at oh where are you at, christina? <laughs> christina's at the um she's at a conference in in vegas right now it's a affiliate oh. summit or something somebody oh. from our group invited her to go so she wow uh, well i'm missing you christina because i know that she would probably have called me mr kelly publish yes exactly we it's just a ongoing joke but you guys are both amazing um yeah. we we Thanks. uh and I love your background. I love Kelly in the background and you in the background. Oh, yeah. That is such there a great go. background. Yeah, she's always over my shoulder. <laughs> I love it. This is so great. Yeah, How did you make that? Here. That must be new, right? Um, the background, yes. This is actually, um, I did all of the pictures. I sent them to a Fiverr gig. They made them into pop art. And then I sent them out to what's called Canvas Champ. And they put them all together. So I think like this whole backdrop probably ran me $80 possibly. I love it so but much. It's all things that like make me smile, part of my life. I mean, I got my wife here. I've got my brothers up here. It looks like I'm just being complete narcissist with my picture behind me. Uh -huh. uh, and two of my best friends. And of course, the banana stickers a little further off uh, camera. And then my cat over here is easy. <laughs> the cat had to make it on there. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yep. Well, thank you so much. I um, I think I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but this was so, so helpful. And anytime you want to come back, I mean, you have the link for picking a day. So <laughs> anytime, we, we always learn from you every single time. So. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you having me on here. And folks, uh, please, if you've made it this far inside the video, do Helen a huge favor, hit smash that thumbs up and drop a comment there. It really helps out her channel more than you would imagine. And of course, sharing is caring. Share it with somebody on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You got it. Awesome. Thank you, Dale. And guys, let, let us know if you see 3,000. By the end of the show, we were trying to get to 3,000. It's got to be close. It was at 3,000 when we started. Oh, perfect. It All was right. at 3,000. <laughs> Dale, is. Dale is more on top of it than I am because yesterday it wasn't. So <laughs> that was the last time I looked at it. Congrats. All right. Well, thanks, guys. We will see you soon. Have a great rest of your day. And thank you so much, Dale.